Hello, everyone. Welcome to 613 Wrestling Podcast, the B-side today. Um, number one, if you have not listened to the A-side yet, which was an episode we came out just uh, two days ago, um, Kyle and I's schedule unfortunately didn't really mesh together. We had a really busy week this week. But what we wanted to do is still produce a podcast for you guys, and we wanted to try something a little different. So just the other day, Kyle recorded the podcast on his take on wrestling over the last little bit, and also we had a little fun. What we did was we actually played VP of Talent Relations. So I'm also going to follow suit and give my opinion on Kyle's top 10 individuals. Let's just say, you know, Vince McMahon walked, walked up to Triple H and said, listen, 10 individuals, they got to go. They're, you know, we're too big. We got too, we, we've actually hired way too many individuals. And specifically, we're talking about the Raw and SmackDown rosters. What would he do? Who would he get rid of? It doesn't matter who, but you got to get rid of 10 of them. Um, that was actually quite fun to play. Once when I heard about this concept or we determined this concept, uh, before I even knew Kyle's side, I wrote down my own side. So I think it's going to be really fun to kind of compare what Kyle's view was on who he would axe and who I would also let go as well. So once again, guys, um, we're going to get started in a quick minute. What I want to do is recap, you know, just wrestling in general. I don't want to really say a specific episode or show Raw Smackdown the last week or two weeks. I just want to comment a little bit on what Kyle had commented on as well as my own take, but as well just let you guys know my feelings on WWE in general. I've been a fan watching the business for 30 straight years plus. I'm 34 years old. I've been watching it since I was a kid and I think that would be 1989, 1990 around when I first started watching wrestling, and I've been watching it ever since. So I got a little bit of a different take than Kyle, but that's also what makes it so great. So anyways, we're going to take a quick little break and get right into the first segment of the show. But like I said, if you have not listened to episode 30, You're Fired A-Side yet, please, I encourage you to pause, stop this episode, go and check that out. Kyle did an amazing job putting an episode out just uh, the other day, uh, and I think you'll really, really enjoy that listen. So I'm going to take a quick little moment. I'm in my garage. It is hot as all heck outside. I think it's about 37 degrees. Got my bottle of water. I'm going to take a quick little break and grab myself uh, some more water to make sure that I'm good and nice and hydrated, and then we're going to get things started. All right, guys, be right back in just a few seconds. All right, guys, I am back. Thank you for holding on just a few seconds while I get nice and hydrated. All right, so what I want to do is, you know, when I listened to Kyle's episode, I took some notes because, you know, one of the best things that I love about Kyle and I is not only are we huge, passionate uh, wrestling fans, but at the same time, on so many levels, we a lot of the time agree on most things. You know, we like what we like and we don't really like or not enjoy as much 
uh, certain items, but at the same time, we also kind of disagree sometimes. Um, and I think this week, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of showed that. Where you know, number one, obviously, if you watched your wrestling this week, you watched your WWE Raw. Raw was a big one, um, a big one for the fans, as actually uh, huge, huge, huge ratings. Raw just hit. I think it was a three point oh nine million viewers, which is the first time that it went above three million viewers in quite some time. Now. You know me, I'm not overly, you know, how many followers, how many viewers every single time. It's about enjoying what you enjoy. But when I heard that number, it made me so, so happy. Um, and I did see online that a lot of people, you know, really enjoyed the show overall. And I'll tell you, I was the same. You know, hearing Kyle's view, and he kind of called it right where, you know, while I was listening to the episode, he actually called out the fact that, you know, if Mark's listening right now, he's probably completely disagreeing. And you know what? I have to. I enjoyed the Raw reunion. There was lots of great things. And I think, you know, I know, you know, Kyle would be the first to admit that there was a long gap and a long road where he wasn't watching wrestling. And, I, you know, so and I think for any fan, that can be really hard to get on the bandwagon of memory, because that's what the Raw reunion was, was really memory. Uh, what do we remember 20 plus years ago? And and I know sometimes people kind of jump on it going, oh my goodness, that's just WWE trying to claw for ratings and use the old school people and yada, yada, yada. And, but you know what? Once again, I try not to overthink these types of things. I just try to enjoy what's being presented to me. Yes, sometimes things recently, especially over the last year, haven't been as consistently great as we would all hope. I'll be the first to admit. But at the same time, you know, I'm a WWE fan, have been all my life. I will be for life. I will support them no matter what. I don't want to say in my eyes they can do no wrong. But at the same time, I kind of, I like the cheesy stuff. I like the reunions, the rewinds, you know, like uh, last year when we kind of did, you know, the old school Raw look where they did it at two different, uh, two different arenas at the same time. And I don't know, that kind of hits me a little bit. But first, like I was saying at the beginning, I want to kind of comment on some things. I wrote down a list of things that uh, Kyle went over before breaking down some Raw and SmackDown. And I just want to kind of get into it. So... Um, number one, obviously, over the last couple of weeks, we've been building lots of different storylines. Of course, one of one big one being the Universal Championship. Obviously, as we know, Brock Lesnar cashed in Money in the Bank after you know several weeks of really going back and forth of will he do it, will he not, is he going to do it, is Paul Heyman giving a spoiler, a prediction, or is he lying? And clearly at this time, he wasn't. Obviously at Extreme Rules, he cashed in Seth Rollins after decimating Baron Corbin with a chair um, after get, putting his hands on Becky Lynch. You know, Brock Lesnar came out and, and pinned Seth Rollins. Now, okay, so let's talk about the Universal Championship. I know, and I, and I know I've said this a lot over, you know, out of all the podcasts we've done, you know, over 30 now, that... I will always give things the benefit of the doubt to see where are they going and, you know, why put it back on Brock? You know, finally, you were able to take it off Brock and put it back on the show more consistently. But let's call it what it is. And just a, you know, just a hot minute. Um, Smackdown is going to be debuting on Fox. And that's really, really, really going to be important on how they shape that. Now, I don't know if Brock being the champion now is going to be long-term going into uh, SmackDown, where I know he's the Raw world champion now, but does that kind of catapult him, you know, into moving to SmackDown eventually? I've heard rumor of how they may do a champion versus champion 
piece where Kofi and Brock go at it at some point. I don't know how they would do that or where that would make sense. But clearly, I think they're trying to use Brock to hype him up moving into SmackDown. And I know that's really weird because he's Raw. He's the Raw world champion right now. He's the universal champion. Um, but I think one thing that a lot of people um, you know, were complaining about online, and I don't necessarily disagree with them, was how Seth Rollins is facing Brock at SummerSlam for the title again. And to me, I actually think it's all about how they went about it. You know, I think the fact that they had this open brand, you know, battle royal where obviously Seth Rollins won. You had many individuals, you know, Bobby Lashley could have won, Roman, you know, everyone was in there. And I think it was because WWE put on a platter saying, hey, here are, you know, a dozen individuals who could be going up against Brock Lesnar. And us as fans, it allows us to look at that and go, hmm, okay, well, we just saw Brock and Seth, but who who else? And I'll tell you, for me, number one, I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is your opportunity. This is where you can get Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. You know, that would be an amazing match. Like, two individuals who have been in the business for such a long periods of time, but never got the opportunity to connect. What would that match look like? That would be an amazing headliner at SummerSlam. But obviously, that was their way to book again Seth Rollins going against Brock. I feel where everything could have been a lot more smoother was do the old school. Seth had a rematch clause in his contract, and that's all he was doing. He was re-invoking you know, you know, re his, um, his right at a rematch for the Universal Championship. Um, you know, I think that was, you know... That would have been the easier way to go instead of teasing us with who else could have we seen. And that opens up disappointment because let's be honest, guys, one-on-one Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins, as we've seen, they can be amazing matches, short matches. But where does this go? You spent all this time rebuilding Seth. He won the Royal Rumble. He was the man of 2018. He won at WrestleMania, beat Brock in a very unique fashion, kicking off the main part of the show of WrestleMania. And now he's no longer the champion. So I'm, I'm interested and I'm curious to see where this builds to. Um, but at the same time, I just feel they could have went around it a little bit better and a little bit differently. Of course, as we know, Becky uh, Lynch will defend her uh, women's championship against Natty, Natalia. Now, this one, I don't have a problem with Natty because in a short period of time, I believe they've done a good job at, you know, trying to find heat in between and how... You know, try to tell a simple story, you know, simply being that they just don't like each other. You know, they were there for each other. They're not there for each other. You just want to see me this. You just want to see me that. And basic, simple heat. My problem is, is that, you know, Becky Two Belts, after she was crowned at WrestleMania, she's had so many different individuals that she's faced. And I just feel that, you know, number one, the Lacey Evans, as much as I wasn't completely on board of it, I just feel that these rivalries are, and storylines are very short. Already we're, you know, Charlotte, uh, Becky's still talking smack about Ronda, but Ronda's not on the show. And, you know, Lacey Evans and, you know, Charlotte and now Natty, all on a small window of time. My, my only hope is, my only hope and wish would be that there would be more long-term feuds, not just in the women's division, but in, just in general. Where, you know, and I know if you guys have heard me say it before, and I'll say it again, I love the old ways that it happened. You know, find, you know, find who your champions are. And I go back to, you know, Randy Orton and Triple H, you know, Edge and John Cena, um, you know, 
Triple H and Batista way back in the day. So many different, you know, Undertaker and Edge, where they would have, you know, several segments and have, you know, months of matches and feuds and build for it to pay off. And maybe you pass the title around once or twice or not at all, but eventually there was an end. Not just, hey, I'm who should be facing you now. Okay, I beat you. Who's next? Who's next? There needs to be that chase and that climb from the contender from down below, you know, and there needs to be some point to prove from the champion up above. And I feel like that's been missing a little bit. And I feel like a lot of the times WWE does a really good job at, you know, initiating what could be such a great build, but then kind of takes it away a little bit where it makes it very short lived or not lived at all. And I think that's kind of been the way with the women's division where it's kind of, okay, you know, Becky Two Belts was a big thing. Everyone loved it. And, and if anything, they're just trying to strain it out where she's facing a bunch of individuals. I personally, hey, you spent all this time building Lacey Evans. She spent all of these weeks after being announced, going to the main roster, walking out, doing nothing, you know, interrupting everyone. Finally, she starts getting in the ring and she's showing that she's a lot better than people gave her credit for. Where is she now? I know she had a couple of chances, but I just feel... I don't know. There's, I think there could have just been more longevity in that rivalry. And maybe there is down the road, and I'm sure there is. But that's just my take on the women's division right now. Uh, of course, you know, and when I'm going through these in no particular order, we saw the debut of Bray Wyatt, the fiend, the return, uh, just the other week where he kind of, you know, Finn Balor just won a match. Finn Balor's doing his thing, throwing the arms up in the air. And I'll tell you, how do you book a return? that's how you book a return. You know, the noises, the light shutting off, you know, the big, the big gaping shut, you know, for the lights to go. And you kind of heard a little bit of a rumble in the ring, like what's going on? Like something's happening in the ring. And even the announcers, um, you know, touched on that going like, there's something going on in the ring. What is that? Not just complete silence. So I thought that was really well done. Um, And then all of a sudden lights go on. Bray's clearly beaten down Finn very quickly uh, for a few seconds, enough where he's holding him in Sister Abigail, you know, holding him in a very nice, slow, you know, look, the, the, the shrieking lights going back and forth, hits, uh, hits Balor with the move, and then a simple stand pose disappear. You know, it was very quick, it was very simple, but it made people going, wow, we've watched, you know, months after months of Firefly Funhouse and it's been the hot build, and it's been very curious what's going to happen. When is he going to debut? Is he going to debut? Is he going to debut as the Fiend, or is he going to debut, um, you know, being his Firefly Funhouse host, you know, with the kind of, uh, with the sweater vest, you know, persona backstage? Um, but no, I loved it. I thought it was really good. Very different, you know. I think it's it's hard to really invest too much into Finn Balor. As we just saw this past week, Finn Balor challenged Bray to a match, which would be Bray's first, you know, main match in quite some time. The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, accepted. Uh, what we have heard online, and I'm sure you guys have too, but if you haven't, Finn Balor is actually looking to take some time off of WWE. A couple of months. Reason, kind of, you know, unidentified. All at the same time, it's his right if he wants to take some time. My only hope is that it's not due to a unhappiness in the business i just hope it's kind of like hey listen i've been going hard i've been pushing hard you know he's got a very grinding style maybe he just needs to take some time for him um but yeah by by the looks of it 
Finn's going to be the person that probably, you know, Bray goes over uh, to kind of escalate his career from there. Uh, and yeah, I think, I, I don't know, I, I stifle a little bit on that one because I've said many times that when it comes to people that are trying to be built, they shouldn't be used as the people that are putting other people over. Finn is a top guy. He's always been a top guy outside of WWE. He's a top guy in WWE. However, there's a big, you know, I look at like, you know, Dean Ambrose before, uh, Dolph Ziggler. All of these individuals are being are trying to be built, but they're being the ones putting over newer talent. So I just hope that, you know, it kind of does make sense if Finn is taking a little bit of time away because time away makes the heart grow fonder. So maybe after Bray wins... He goes away for a couple of months. We kind of forget that piece. And then he can kind of continue going on. Who knows where, you know, Finn will be in the next couple of months with SmackDown going on Fox. I'm sure they're going to do a little bit of a mix-up. And, and yeah, so I think it was really cool. I love it. I love that Bray's back. Um, there's room in the WWE for darkness. You know, The Undertaker's kind of been making appearances over the last decade very casually. As time goes on, more and more casually. But there's that spot for the darkness. And I think Bray is the perfect individual that can take over that spot as, and I hate to be cheesy, but the Lord of Darkness, you know, like The Undertaker was. A different twist, not the ominous, you know, cloaked Undertaker, dead man, you know, his own version, the fiend of Bray Wyatt. You know, there's a a passing of the torch that can easily happen. That's not necessarily a match, but almost like a gimmick, you know, like a character, a persona, uh, passing of the torch. So I'm happy Bray's back. I hope you guys are happy too. And I'm really excited to see what the future looks like because I think this is the rebirth of Bray Wyatt. Well, it is the rebirth, but, you know, we saw what happened last time. He hit after from NXT, Wyatt family hit the main roster, go, go, go. You know, he was the hottest thing. Everyone loved him. Fireflies everywhere. Super sick entrance. Harper, Rowan, Strowman eventually joining the gang. But Bray lost so much. And I know a lot of people in WWE think that win and losses don't matter, but they do. Because if you see people constantly lose that you like, you lose hope in them. You lose interest. So I hopefully they've learned from the first time that an amazing character was released hopefully they can take all of what they've learned and apply it to now the fiend the return of bray wyatt next up of course you know kyle talked a little bit about the tag team division uh obviously and the raw reunion and i'm not going to go so much into the i'm going to have a quick little you know segment on just raw itself but um or the reunion itself but obviously this past week we had the usos versus the revival um what i love about these two teams is kind of similarly how we talked about the bar and the new day, even though we see them face many, many times. I think what's so cool about the revival and the, and the Usos is that they can do it differently every single time. It is not the same match you watch every single time. Two polar opposite teams that can go hard. And I love it. You know, you, I can watch those guys go on every single week, and I think they will tell a different story, a different feeling in that ring each and every time. So I thought that was great as well. And I know Kyle talked about it. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of the 24-7 championship segments. Um, I think they've done such a great job at not just building you know, what this is, but I know the very first thing when Mick Foley released it, you know, a couple months ago, everyone was talking about, oh, 
It's so ugly. It's such an ugly title. They've done such an amazing job that no one talks about the title anymore. Because it's not about the title. It's about what we get to see. Our truth Drake Maverick, is some of the best stuff we are seeing on any brand. Um, you know, of the main roster with Ron SmackDown. Uh, they're amazing. So funny. You know, <laughs> Maverick can't consummate his marriage until he figures it out and finds consistency with the belt. R-Truth time and time again finds new and unique opportunities to include himself. Um, I killed myself when I saw Drake Maverick laying in bed as his wife is joining bed. And they're like, yes, 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 consummate the marriage. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And he's got his little tidy whitey underwears on. And he's just wearing the 24-7 championship. And, um, and he's telling himself, like, come on, keep going. Oh, that's room service? Okay, come on, buddy. Like, keep it up, keep it up. Like, that's so edgy for WWE to do that. Um, and I love it, you know, because it wasn't too rated R and it wasn't too inappropriate. But it was just one of those things where, like, it was a funny poke at himself. Drake Maverick, yeah, you're amazing. He's always He was always an amazing ta- uh, talent uh, as Rockstar Spud in Impact Wrestling you know, came in really, really smooth as the 205 Live GM. But to see him do what he's doing now, I'm I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. Um, but so, yeah, so we kind of, those were some of the things that Kyle talked about. And, and one of the things Kyle talked about is the reunion and how he, he used quite a, quite a serious word, if you ask me. Uh, he hated the reunion. That's... Hate's a strong word, Kyle. Um, I know you're probably shaking your head and laughing, but it is. Um, but I get it. Um, you know, once again, I'm not even going to go so far. I'm going to wait till the Raw recap segment in just a little, a couple of minutes to go over the reunion and why I loved it. Um, I'm probably going to get really cheesy, but um, I think right now, it's, if anything, it's my one comment is there's no better time to do one. I know we talk about, you know, WWE, Raw, SmackDown, they're in a rebuilding phase, but they are. You know, Eric Bischoff is just about to start, you know, his role uh, in SmackDown. Paul Heyman's, you know, apparently he's slowly integrated and started certain things on Raw. There's so many new agents in the back and producers and Bruce Pritchard's back. And and Bruce Pritchard apparently had a massive hand to play in the Firefly Funhouse. So I think we all need to remember that things don't change, you know, snap of a finger as much as people want it to be. I know the unfortunate thing is we we live in a world where everyone's needs instant gratification and what have you done for me lately? Not about what you've done in the past. So I really think that right now is a time where you can do these fun little reunion things. You can maybe play around with some storylines and kind of poke at stuff and see what works because I believe going into the next couple of months, going into SmackDown launching on Fox, there's talk of NXT going on Fox, FS1 as well, uh, to apparently potentially compete with AEW. That's crazy. Um, you know, I think that going into the end of 19 in Q3, Q4, and plus going into the early 2020, I think WWE's got a big ace up their sleeve, and I think we just got to wait and see. So patience, patience. Of course, we had some uh, some pieces of uh, of SmackDown that were some pretty cool highlights. Um, Miz holding Miz TV, having Ziggler and HBK on the segment. Uh, I completely agree with Kyle. Um, you know, the WWE wrote a great a great little part where you know 
as some people were thinking, and Kyle felt this way, and I, I kind of felt this way too, where Ziggler's taking shots, and it's funny, usually Ziggler's the one being taken shots at, but HBK was the one kind of being like, you know, why are you here? You know what I mean? Like, you're a cheap pop. You're nostalgic. You know, he's saying everything that a lot of people thought, but I love that because I think that's WWE being very self-aware of itself, uh, especially with HBK. And let's be honest, HBK doesn't like he can still do it today uh i i I think he would still do amazing now the big question is is that is this going to lead into a ms ziggler face-off a match or is it going to learn i don't know like is it a way just to tease dolph ziggler versus hbk you know we talked about in the segment or they talked about in the segment about how ziggler kind of always was in the shadow of hbk and called them like an hbk knockoff um and let's be honest, it's true. HB, you know, if there was no Dolph Ziggler, sorry, if there was never a heartbreak kid and we had Dolph Ziggler today, Dolph Ziggler would be probably the number one talent in the business um, easily because he, he brings something so unique, but people unfortunately don't give it a chance because they say, well, I've seen that already. I watched that. I watched that TV show, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, Attitude Era, and all through you know, 2002, you know, to present of Shawn Michaels coming in and out. And we know a Shawn Michaels. We've owned that. We've seen that. So once again, excited to see where that's going to go. Uh, is it playing at our heartstrings? Don't get me wrong. If we get to see a Dolph Ziggler versus Shawn Michaels match at SummerSlam or in the near future, I won't be mad at it. But at the same time, we also have, you know, a little bit of HBK has been in more than one little segment. Of course, we saw... Um, you know, Degeneration X coming out, showing some support to Seth Rollins um, against the OC, the OC, the original club. And it kind of looked like the little AJ Styles HBK, you know, a little bit of a, a sneak peek into there. I don't want to say sneak peek, but, you know, a little tease where, you know, as they were leaving the ring, um, AJ Styles was looking at HBK to think, don't think that I won't come to NXT. I know where NXT is. I will go there and find you. You know, I know last year there was a really cool poster showcasing AJ Styles versus Shawn Michaels. Um, don't get me wrong. I was a huge Shawn Michaels fan and I still am today. If I'd see HBK versus Dolph Ziggler or HBK versus AJ Styles, I'm sure 70% of the world would boo it and go, why? This is stupid. Um, I'd love it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'd be the... I'd be the, the the kid in front of the TV, cheap pop and going, Oh my God, this is amazing. He can do no wrong. But that's just how I feel. But it's very interesting to see Shawn Michaels kind of include himself a lot more with these storylines. And I don't even want to necessarily call it storylines either, but some segments um, kind of makes you ask, what is it for? Is it going to turn into anything or is it a simple way to let people walk away and go, is Shawn Michaels coming back for another match? I thought he was one and done when he came back. Um, who knows? But once again, it's a beautiful part of wrestling. Let's wait and see. Let's not hold our breath, but at the same time, maybe it turns into something so much more beautiful than we could have thought. And of course, we got a nice little tease into a Samoa Joe Roman Reigns uh, feud. I think that would be awesome. I do respect and love how since Roman's been back uh, from his uh, from his battle with leukemia, that... You know, they didn't just rocket him back into the world title picture again. 
Um, and I think that's good. That's good for the fans. That's good for Roman because I, I, I feel that people would have just booed him again because they're going to go, no, you, you are stuffing him down our throat. If we didn't know before, you are now. I love that Roman's just being Roman. He's happy to be here. He's having a couple feuds, you know, Shane McMahon, Drew, you know, um, Drew McIntyre, Samoa Joe, and goodness God gracious, can Samoa Joe do no wrong? I'll tell you, this guy has probably lost 80% of his matches here in WWE, and it doesn't matter. No one thinks about that. Samoa Joe is, oh, like, especially when it was Samoa Joe against Ricochet for the U.S. title, just Samoa Joe's ability to scare you and to beat you up is absolutely phenomenal. I thought I think Samoa Joe is in an amazing spot, um, a spot where I almost feel like he can do no wrong in the sense of a win and loss isn't defining Joe, and Joe can be a contender at any time for any title. That's a beautiful spot to be in, and I'm really happy to see Samoa Joe finally after when he first started, came up from NXT to the main roster. Joe had a couple of stints with some injuries that kind of put him in and out two or three times. It's great to see Joe uh, be really, really consistent on the main roster recently, and I think he's found a really, really good home and a really, really good spot. Street, uh, we saw some uh, Street Profit uh, segments, um, you know, as I wrote down, you know, breaking the fourth wall. Um, they're, they're really edgy and I didn't think I was going to like them, you know, because uh, number one, you're kind of like, ah, oh, they're NXT tag team champions. They're still on NXT. Why are they here? But I'll tell you, they're doing good. Um, you know, this one past one where it was kind of like, oh yeah, man, I was hanging out with, with RVD and, and everything. And we were, um, you know, hanging out and Mark Henry was there and Ric Flair was there and how his partner got jealous. And I thought it was just absolutely amazing. Um, but no, I think it's fun. You know, if anything, that's a really cool way to introduce someone to a roster, uh, if that is what they're doing. Um, just kind of have them be in a couple segments, be there, build them up. Let's, let's learn who are these guys? What are they all about? What kind of sense of humor do they have? And I think this is really, really good stuff we're seeing from the Street Profits uh, recently. Um, one thing that Kyle said as well that I absolutely agree on is the women's tag team titles. Um, really, really, really hard to to give a take on those. And my only hope is that they find a way to establish them more. Um, since its release, you know, there hasn't really been much, you know, there's not much threat to it. Uh, we kind of, we all knew, Not it, this isn't surprising to us, but we knew going into it, and even when they did the tournament, they were just kind of pairing females up and making them tag teams, and, um, you know, Naomi and Asuka, and, you know, Bailey and Sasha, Bailey and Sasha made sense, but but no, I just think it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough to get behind where there's not much of a division, so if anything, you have two, you know, Peyton, uh, you know, Peyton Royce is an amazing, amazing athlete, um, and Billy Kay as well, you know, and they were the, the iconics work really, really well together. But I think the hard thing is, is that they're it's almost now that they're they're two champions sitting in an empty division. And I think that's really, really dangerous, um, you know, for, you know, authenticity for, you know, like worthwhile, like you got to make these belts mean something. And right now the, the female women's tag team championships mean nothing right now. So, but it can definitely turn around. It can absolutely turn around. I think the best way to do it is let the Iconics focus with one team at a time. 
as a number one contender, you know, have some nice couple of month build feud storylines. But in the back end in NXT, um, you know, Raw SmackDown, uh, Superstars, main event, any wherever it is, um, you need to start just developing, you know, female tag teams. Develop, develop, develop. Have some, you know, pair some individuals together. Like if it's Asuka and Naomi, have them beat local talent. Have them, you know, start building and building and building. And then eventually you can kind of look around and go, hey, we got a, you know, maybe eight to a dozen or eight to ten, you know, female tag teams. Who's next? The hard part is when we ask who's next, we don't know because there's not really a next or a possibility of a next. So especially now that you've seen with Sasha really kind of having a big question mark beside her, you know, that your number one crowned your, what you determined to be your best tag team was, you know, Sasha and Bailey, and now they're no longer a tag team, you know, and it's, so it's kind of the Iconics are the only, they're the champions because I think they're the only ones that make sense. But anyways, that's, a, that's my take on that. Um, you know, so those are a lot of the things that kind of Kyle went over, um, you know, which I definitely agree with a lot of the things that he said, uh, his take on some certain builds. and But I would just really say, guys, you know, overall, my biggest thing that I would say is, and I know this is a very blanket um, statement, but I really, really do feel in my heart that this is a rebuilding stage. I think they need to determine talent, figure talent out, and what's the long run going to be? And I think they need to book longer, um, have a view, not just week to week or month to month, you know, go back to the old ways where you heard about, you know, how they would book the next six months to a year. You would know the day after mania, you kind of had an idea, a roadmap to where you want to be at the next one. Um, outside of that, I don't know. Um, I think we just got to hold on and see. I'm very excited. I'm very hopeful that there, you know, as much as there's lots of opportunity, there is some still some really, really good stuff going on. Um, in an interview with Sports Illustrated, uh, you know, a um, month or two ago, Seth Rollins was talking about, um, you know, competition and AEW and different things like that. And he said something that's very right. And even if you disagree with the statement, I, I don't think anyone can argue it. And, no one does wrestling like the WWE. And yes, I'm sure people can say like, yeah, that's right, because they do it like crap, or they do it like, no. Like, AEW has been a great little fun start. It's exciting to see them go on TV in October, on TNT. But when you really look at it, like, this is like the exciting, you know, if you put in all of AEW shows side by side, they all look the same. Uh, and I fear that being on TV and being the same thing over and over again, it can get dry real quick. Where if you put them, and especially too with how young and you know inexperienced some of these people are, WWE does have the best talent. They put on the most shows, the best shows. You know, WWE is a lifestyle, and I really, really feel that regardless of any types of competition. WWE will always find a way to connect with their fans. Sometimes they take a little while to get there. They definitely, definitely do. Um, and I know that's where we get into things like, you know, are they even listening? They don't listen to the fans. Guys, we also need to remember, it's not about listening to us all the time either. They've listened to us plenty. If they did everything we wanted them to do, if they were already predictable, they would be even more predictable. So I really think we have to also let them... 
give them the respect they need that for as long as they've done it for over 20 years you know creating weekly episodic television week over week it's cool to say you know AEW's had a couple shows they're so good but at the same time okay that's a couple shows you know where are we they can say the f word or throw up the middle fingers and you know blade job and do what they want but wait until they're on tv wait until turn you know tnt the drama you know their executives start saying you, you, you can't swear like that and you know we have we have you know we have stockholders here that you like you know you can't do that you can't be bleeding you got to be careful for concussions you know like it's easy for them to do it with all this freedom they have right now and that's unfair because WWE has to be careful. They do have to play nice in the sandbox. So, sorry, I know I'm ranting right now. Just, you know, I, I feel really passionately about making sure that us as fans, we don't overthink things. But at the same time, we do need to be realistic with how we're attacking the WWE sometimes and really getting on them. You know, oh, AEW will be so much better because they say the, they swear and they throw up the middle fingers. Sure because they're funding their own events and no one is, you know, saying boo about it. But, you know, if they ever got as big as the WWE, they would be in the exact same spot too. So we have to remember that. But anyways, guys, I'm going to take a very quick break. When we come back, I'm going to give a very quick review of um, the Raw reunion and a little bit of SmackDown. And then we're going to go into booking and reviewing, uh, be VP, play a little role play of VP of Talent Relations. Going to go over Kyle's 10 people who he would fire today, yesterday, two days ago, he'd fire them. Um, and then also who I chose as well. See if we have any similar picks uh, and a little bit of why. But uh, but no, hold on, guys. We'll be back in just a few seconds. Thank you very much. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, we're back from the break. A couple of seconds for you, but a couple minutes for me. Um, but anyways, right, so what I know we kind of talked about, you know, wrestling overall. We talked a little bit about the Raw reunions, but I want to kind of give a quick little recap of, you know, the Raw reunion, but also why I liked it. Um, and I know I'm cheesy when it comes to these reunion things, and I love that, and you know, they do them every once in a while, and I guess what some people find lame, sometimes I enjoy. But I will admit there was some lame lame items at the reunion. So, of course, we open up the show with John Cena coming out. Um, John Cena's got a new haircut, but we didn't see it because he's wearing the hat. And John Cena got a huge pop. Uh, of course, that shows that, you know... Um, you know, I guess distance and time grows the heart fonder. Uh, and he even acknowledged it and the crowd acknowledged it. You know, yeah, we do miss you. It's great to see you. That's great. And obviously, it turned into a little bit more where the Usos came out and did a little rap battle, convinced John to uh, to rap with them. Rapped about the Usos um, being, in, being arrested before and being in jail. And ironically enough, I think it was just yesterday that... Um, Jay, Jimmy, I can't remember which one, uh, one of the Usos was um, um, arrested for DUI. Apparently, that's quite a few times he's been arrested for DUI, and I really hope that doesn't cost him so much more. Hopefully, it doesn't cost him relationships, friends, a job. The Usos are phenomenal, and I really hope that. And I know it's none of our business, but I say this in a supportive way. Never met him, probably will never, ever meet him, but we hope here at 613 Wrestling that... You know, he doesn't have a problem. 
uh, with alcohol. And if he does, hopefully, you know, his friends and family can support him. I'm sure, I'm sure they have been, but hopefully he can get, if he does need any help, hopefully he can get the help he needs. Um, so we're definitely thinking about you. Hopefully everything's going to be okay. With you, so coming out at a raw reunion, of course, you know, you got to have Rikishi, the father of Jimmy and Jey Uso. Um, you know, obviously we know Rikishi, not just for his single stardom, but his time uh, in Too Cool with, um, you know, Scotty Too Hottie and Brian Christopher. Um, thought we were going to see some dancing, but obviously it turned into a fight. You know, uh, looked like we had a little, you know, almost like a revival and side Cena versus Usos and Rikishi. Obviously the Usos became victorious. Uh, to kind of have that Rikishi moment, which is great. It's always great to see the Hall of Famer Rikishi. And I know for some that didn't really watch him, they can go, yeah, 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 he's no big, big legend. You know, why is he even in the Hall of Fame? Enjoy it for what it is, guys. Kyle's probably shaking his head going, no, Rikishi shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. No, he, why, I don't care about Rikishi. All he's known for is a big butt and, and put it in people's faces. That was my Kyle. Um, obviously as well, we had a little, um, a little segment, which obviously with some Drew McIntyre, you know, attacking Cedric Alexander, it looks like they're trying to get Cedric Alexander a little bit more on the top echelons of, you know, when we think about top people, we think about McIntyre, Strowman, Balor, Styles, um, you know, Roman, everyone else. Uh, and Cedric starting to kind of, you know, feel his way up there a little bit. And I think Cedric's a great and great great talent i think be on 205 live you know for as long as he has and how he's known as a cruiserweight and i don't know i think that can kind of hurt people sometimes because i think 205 live and number one with 205 live i think they need to get rid of 205 live you don't need a show uh, a show just for a division wcw did cruiserweights well just as wwe did back in the early 2000s when they kind of consumed and took on the cruiserweight division after buying WCW. They can just be segments just like anything else in part of the show. It doesn't need its own show because if anything, you see the champion and everyone else. So I really hope that they do away with it. And apparently rumor has it, and they are. Apparently there's some talk how 205 Live and NXT will merger and how they will just kind of join NXT and allow it be be another opportunity for anyone that needs to build on 205 Live to get that through NXT. But who knows? Who knows? Um, obviously, you know, one big thing on the Raw reunion, I know it's hard where we want it, just call it the hardcore title. It's clearly that at any given time, anyone can use any item. As long as a referee is there, the title is on the line 24-7. Um, obviously, we saw some many, many new champions at the Raw reunion. Uh, we, and, the, and honestly, guys, I'll tell you, a lot of people loved it that I saw online, and a lot of people hated it. And this felt like hardcore title days. You know, Pat Patterson, Jail Briscoe, 24-7 champ. For those of you who watched it back in the day, they were also hardcore champions. I know it's been a long time, 20 years, um, and it's and it's different doing it today because they are older and it's been such a long time. But I kind of liked it, and you know, we the Stooges, Pat and Pat and Gerald Briscoe. We haven't seen them in such a long time. They were great on air. 
uh, personalities way back in, you know, like uh, the corporation, the ministry, you know, with Vince McMahon. I thought it was awesome. Um, Kelly Kelly became the first ever female to hold the 24-7 championship. Now, I think, number one, it's Kelly Kelly. Um, she became the champion because of a farce, you know, um, I was really hoping that the first female 24-7 champion would have been Carmella, seeing as how she has those ties with R-Truth. And R-Truth has such big ties with the 24-7 title. Uh, so that was a little disappointing. You know, through Kelly Kelly, we saw Candice Michelle, Alundra Blaze become the champion. Um, I'll be honest, Alundra Blaze, she's looking great, by the way. But she had such a different, unique look with the slick back hair and everything that at first I didn't even know it was Alundra Blaze. I'm kind of watching the TV going, wait, what? Who that? Um... Then, of course, Alundra kind of, you know, foreshadowed, you know, you better get it while you can, girls and guys, because I'm not going to be the champion for long. Uh, and then at first I kind of thought, and I, I think some other people do, uh, did too, I thought she botched the line. I thought she meant to say, like, I'm going to be the champion for a long, long time. Um, and I was like, oh, man, a little, little bit of a botch. But it wasn't. She came out and went to the announce table and said, I told you I will not be the champion for a long, long time. She picked up a garbage bin and she held the title over. Shade a la, you know, 90s when um, she came over to WCW and took the, the, the WWF at the Times Women's Championship and put it in a garbage bin on live television. Uh, I'll tell you guys, if you've never seen that, go to the WWE Network, check it out on YouTube, and watch that segment. It was crazy. Um, but no, right away, we thought she was going to throw it out. And then the Million Dollar Man's music comes out. And Ted DiBiase is like, you know, everything's got a price. I want to buy that title off of you. So Million Dollar Man, just like he did with Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan way back in the day, he bought the title off of Andre the Giant to become never official, but WWE champion. It was great. Throwback. Awesome. Um, now, here's the thing. A part of me, a little bit of a part of me, and I tweeted this online while it was happening. A part of me kind of thought, is, is Alundra Blaze going to throw the title out to so we can release a new title? I wish, and I'm sure there's lots of red tape around it, and, with stakeholders and shareholders and such. Um, but I really wish that they would actually just call it what it is. You know, even if you just call it the hard, the 24-7 championship, but you made it look like a hardcore title a little bit. Or what I would love to see, and this is still my prediction, and while we took a little bit of a break from the podcast, I didn't get a chance to say this, but I'm saying it right now. My hope is the 24-7 title eventually turns into what was what did look like the hardcore title at one point. I hope at some point people just are very, very negligent and very messy and, you know, find ways to, you know, use it to like block a hammer shot or something silly like that. And then eventually as we watch the 24-7 title, just get demolished and ripped apart. And then one day on, on a show, Raw, SmackDown, wherever, all of a sudden they're like, wait, where's the belt? And then someone just kind of picks it up and it's just this piece of tathered mathered you know metal that just looks like what once was you know this green and gold belt i think that would be absolutely amazing kyle text me if you're listening to this right now text me what do you think about that 
guys hit me up on twitter at 613 wrestling podcast what do you think about that do you think that would be cool would that be lame i don't know but i I personally think that would be super super cool uh obviously we had a little tag team match we had uh rider and uh you know uh kurt rider um kurt rider zach rider and uh kurt hawkins taking on the viking raiders viking experience war raiders um, war experience whatever they're called uh viking raiders a good little match you know i think it's tough for uh rider and kurt and um you know, when they had their moment at Mania, becoming Raw Tag Team Champions, and now they're kind of steady Eddie on the side, trying to make something happen, losing a lot of matches, and to me, and I'll talk a a little bit about it more when I play VP of Talent Relations, but, you know, I kind of think there's a spot for these two. There's always a spot for mid-carters. You need those guys, and I'll tell you, they also have one hell of a podcast and YouTube show, uh, The Major Wrestling Podcast, they go around the world and toy figure hunt. It's a great show. Definitely make sure to check it out. Uh, of course, as we mentioned before, we had Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe, excuse me, brawl. Um, that was a great little segment. Hopefully it's going to turn into something a little bit more. Uh, we obviously had the OC, the original club segment where Gallows, Anderson and Styles are really representing that heel movement. They're really trying to bring back that and, cockiness that they're, I think they're building something really good I think it's really good to just and I know Kyle on the podcast talked about like why couldn't you call it and uh, I believe his exact words were why couldn't you just call it what it was and call it like the bullet club or whatever um, and I don't maybe I don't know if he meant to say it that way but of course as you do uh, you may or may not know um, so Finn Balor uh, Fergal Devon um, but Finn Balor, as we know now, while he was in Japan, he actually created the Bullet Club. Uh, he coined the name Bullet Club, uh, but New Japan Pro Wrestling own the right to the Bullet Club. I'm surprised that Finn or someone in WWE didn't try to, you know, write him a big check and say, just let us have. Imagine the actual Bullet Club with Bullet Club logo and everything in WWE. That would be awesome. That'd be really, really cool to see the different types they can make on WWE Shop. Um, and also, too, and, and and Kyle wasn't wrong when he said it, but Kyle also made mention on how AJ Styles doesn't necessarily make sense because he's not an original member of the Bullet Club. So, true, you know, true to an extent. So, AJ Styles is actually a former um, leader of the Bullet Club, uh, and he took over after... Um, Finn Balor left the Bullet Club, um, so he wasn't. He was there in the earlier stages. But I know when we think Bullet Club, we think you know, Tamatanga. You know, we think you know, obviously like the Young Bucks. But you know, we think um, Gallows and Anderson. You know, individuals like that. But but no, I think I would like to think that you know, verse compared to the different versions we've seen now. So Kyle's not wrong, but I think I would say that he's an original Bullet Club member, as he was a leader in, a, in an earlier stage, kind of. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you guys think? Of course, we saw a little bit more of a raw reunion, a little bit of a a kickback. Um, was just a nice way to get individuals out on stage. Uh, but we had Rey Mysterio versus Sami Zayn in a match. Of course, um, a, a little bit way through, Sami looked like he was done. Um, I'm done with this match. He was going to go up the ramp, but all of a sudden, boom, the whole effing show, Rob Van Dam. You know, his music hits. He hits the, uh, you know, the top of the ramp. 
crazy just at Slammiversary, just very, very recently on Impact, we just saw him, um, you know, wrestle Moose. And apparently what I did read was um, he's still with Impact, but Impact, you know, I guess WWE reached out to him saying, hey, RVD, we'd love to have you. And Impact was like, sure, why not? Go ahead and do it. So that's pretty cool. And it's pretty cool that Impact is kind of trying to open those doors to allow some of these legends to still do that. Uh, but no, we saw RVD come out. We saw Sergeant Slaughter come out. We saw the Hurricane, um, Hurricane Helms come out. And then, of course, Big Pop. We had Kurt Angle. The You Sucks were, were loud and proud in the building. They kind of, they didn't really do anything. It was a way to get a, let's be honest, a cheap pop. But it was their way to come out. And everyone kind of saw a couple of legends. And then Ray kind of, boom, 619 hitting for the win. So once again, it was what it was. Like, I still think they got to stop putting, you know, for example, like we talked about earlier, where, you know, these people that we need to build shouldn't be the people that are put over so much. And Sammy is the person you need to be building. So why are we putting him, why are we putting other people over him? You know, if anything, it would have been cool to find, even though with the four legends distracting Zayn, Zayn found a way to win and then he held that even with RVD, Sergeant Slaughter, the Hurricane, and Kurt Angle. Even with them trying to intimidate me, interfering in my match, you know, by distracting me. I still beat Rey Mysterio. Like, I thought, you know, that would have been a nice, better twist. But, but we got what we got. And of course, Mick Foley comes out and gives a Mick Foley speech, as we all know. Um, but then, of course, Foley gets attacked by the Fiend, Bray Wyatt. And it gets dark out there. And yeah, so, you know, I think it's very interesting to see, um, you know, I don't know, you know, Bray Wyatt. And like, I like it because it's kind of him doing whatever he wants to do, where he's kind of coming out and attacking whoever he wants to attack. And of course, you know, the hardcore legend, Mick Foley, he's a, you know, great legend, Hall of Famer. We love seeing him every single time. I guess, I don't know. I think Bray needs to just be focusing on current talent. You know, up-and-coming talent, but not too up-and-coming where they're on a hot streak or, you know, putting over someone else. I think Bray just needs to be interfering and getting into everyone's business slightly. Doing it to Foley, the one thing I did like was how he used the mandible claw on Foley. Um... You know, while the lights were flashing, you know, and the announcers did a really, really good job. And I think it was Corey Graves where he's literally yelling like he's got the mandible claw on Mick Foley. Like it was very well presented where it made it seem like, oh, my God, mandible claw. We haven't seen that in forever. If you're watching Impact, Sue Young kind of does it every now and then. With her little bloody glove, it's kind of really weird and gross. But anyways, um, but no, but in WWE, you don't see it often at all. And But to see Bray Wyatt kind of pull out those stops, that was cool. I did enjoy that segment overall because I love seeing Mick Foley. And it was very unexpected to see Bray Wyatt as the Fiend attack Foley. But I just think, I, my hope is that Bray kind of, he focuses some of his interruptions in, you know, like for example, spoil everything Zach, uh, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder are doing. You know, just all of these, you know... Build his way up. Take your time with Bray Wyatt. Um, just interrupt and get in everyone's business would be great. Um, obviously, Braun Strowman, I don't know what he's done to upset people once again. And I'm not saying that he was in a squash match with what looks to be a local talent. I can't remember his name. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Braun, like, 
if all went right, he would be multiple-time world champion by now. And, and I do like how he hasn't been yet. Um, but just things that I've heard that apparently some things have been getting in the way, some politics, some maybe some things that he's doing that aren't so very popular have kind of had him had some missed opportunities. But Braun is continuing to be the monster. He's a dominating force. And at any given time, if they want to flick that switch on and have him go for the title, you know it'll be... That any any title any one is at risk against Bray Wyatt uh, Bray Wyatt Braun Strowman, um, but no, it was a little segment. Um, obviously, we saw a little bit of uh, Kevin Owens, um, you know, talking about. Uh, I know that it wasn't necessarily um, on. Oh, sorry, I skipped on for the SmackDown a little bit. Hold on, let's pause. Um, of course, we did see seth rollins versus aj styles that kind of turned into something a little bit more where it turned into a dx coming to the aid of seth rollins as well as um you know obviously the the oc the original club having themselves um so this one was a little weird over the year anytime we see raw reunion shows or or whatever dx always shows their support to the club you know, they throw up the two sweet, they show them mad respect. So it was a little weird that, you know, Seth and Hunter went and destroyed each other. At, you know, a few WrestleManias ago, you know, he was calling himself the King Slayer, you know, Seth going over um, Triple H. But now all of a sudden, DX is on Seth's side. I know in the back as well, Hunter has always played a very supportive role for Seth Rollins as well, because they have history. But I just felt in this moment, this segment would have been so much better if, okay, we have the OC is here, you know, like the, you know, the original club, AJ, Gallows, Anderson. How do we put them over? You know, what is some of the best way to put people over? It's having legends of the past give their, you know, tip their hat to them, give them the nod, how cool would have that been if all of a sudden DX comes out and, you know, looks like they're on Seth's side, but then all of a sudden they throw up the two sweet, you know, and, and give it to the club to show, you know, AJ Gallows Anderson, we love you, we respect you, passing of the torch, you know, you guys got the edginess attitude, like, keep it up, you know, like, D-Generation X did everything they can do to get through and get under everyone's skin and to, you know, defy the odds and do what was cool, but also what was uncool. I don't know. I thought that was a missed opportunity as well, but obviously afterwards we got Degeneration X, Seth Rollins on the side. We got a big DX hug and too sweet and everyone hugging and Nash and Hall and Seth just kind of stood on the side and just kind of there's a picture online that's really funny where you know all of DX and there are like a, a merger of like DX and NWO and the Outsiders and everyone and Seth is just kind of standing on the side just <laughs> hey you know nice to be here good to, good to be with you guys um, but yeah no missed opportunity I feel to really put the OC over um, and then of course on Raw we had a moment of bliss moment of bliss kind of turned into a little a little bit of a brawling segment. Um, I don't know, a moment of bliss, I feel, happens a lot more than I think it should. You know, I think moment of bliss doesn't need to be a weekly thing. I think a moment of bliss needs to be a casual, maybe every other week. Uh, make it something to look forward to, where when you do have it, you're interviewing someone. I don't know, I just feel... I guess I'm, I'm stuck on this one, because I know Alexa Bliss has also 
you know, been in and out and rumored to be injured and not trying to be as active lately. So it is a really good spot for her. Alexa's great on the mic. She's got great skills when it comes to building heat, especially with what they're doing with her and uh, Nikki Cross. I think it's great. But this was built for one thing and one thing only. It was for Becky to come out, for Natty to come out, and for them to beat each other up. It was, a clear, it was almost like a contract signing. We're going to sign a contract on a table in the middle of a ring. What do you think is going to happen? Um, you know, just they're going to fight and put someone's going through the table. Um, so, yeah. But then, of course, one of my favorite parts of the night. Um, I guess you can almost say that there was some, I don't even know, like production, some production snafus on it. But, of course, we got the big close. We had everyone come out, a bunch of the legends come out. We had Ric Flair, we had Hulk. Hogan come out and giving a speech, loving everyone. He got a good little pop. Uh, there was a little moment there where Hulk Hogan's music continued to play for a really long time, which I'm assuming afterwards it was because Stone Cold wasn't ready to come out yet. Uh, you kind of saw Triple H getting a little anxious, you know, anxious, kind of like, mm, all right, come on, ah, what's going on here? Uh, but then the glass broke. Stone Cold came out in Stone Cold fashion. There were coolers around. I saw someone write online, and I totally agree with them. I don't think we have ever seen Stone Cold drop a beer throw that was thrown to him. Now, here's where I get really, really cheesy. Um, and I'm not trying to act like we, I, you know, we're family. We got to support. Like, I'm, I guess I'm not trying to talk as if, like, you know, you support WWE like you support your wife, your husband, your kid, or your family. But Stone Cold really said something, and he said it a few times over, that I thought, you know, the, the young fan in me was able to relate to. Where he continued to say, you know, the boys and girls, the brothers and sisters, the production crew. There's so many cameramen, referees. I think Mike Kyoto has been in, the, in WWE for 30 years almost. Um... You know, like, you look at some of the talent and the legends that were there, and the fans were family, you know, and I, and I believe, I, what I took that as, he was almost saying, like, we have ups and downs, but you support family, like, you know, sometimes your sister or your brother really, really, really pisses you off, but you support them no matter what, you know, you get in fights, you know, brothers fight, sisters fight, friends fight, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're family. And the way he was saying it, and I wasn't, don't even, I'm not, wasn't sitting here being like, yeah, we're family. Like, oh, me and Stone Cold are brothers. But it really, like, that resonated with my view of, you support family, support WWE, regardless of the good or bad they do. And yes, don't get me wrong. If you don't like it, you can stop watching it. And you can, you can not like it and you can continue to watch it and you can criticize it. But I would just say it's, you know, like what you like, don't like what you don't like, but support. WWE, 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 um, and WWF and every, the WWF have been, we are here talking about wrestling. Let's be honest. Yes, NWA. Yes, AWA. Yes, all of the old classic promotions and territories out there. But WWE is what we grew up on. 
And I know they've changed a lot. They've gone through different eras. They've gone through different styles. And, you know, when you look at the Mount Rushmore, it's probably the most ridiculous thing to put together. Um, however, Ryan Satin, he's a great Twitter follow. Um, he kind of broke down how you should look at a Mount Rushmore. I definitely suggest that you go take a look at that on Twitter. Um, but no, I think, yeah, like sometimes we need to reflect and sit back and go like, I don't know, for me, when I went through some of my roughest times, I was able to put on a wrestling show. I was able to put on a DVD, a VHS. Uh, I was able to tape trade as a kid. And, you know, it's like, and I know it sounds so weird to say like, oh, well, wrestling, wrestling got me through some of the toughest times of my life. My friends and family and my relationships that I've had with people are what got me through some of the hardest times in life. But some of the toughest times, I credit wrestling. You know, I was able to put that on. I was able to watch a show. And even like the other week, you know, a long week at work, you know, it's been crazy hot here and work's been stressful. And, you know, my fiance is absolutely amazingly supportive, but there was just a part of me that just needed a brain break. And so I put on a wrestling show. You know, I put on the network, I put on a show, watch Extreme Rules, and then watch some ride-alongs and some other things afterwards, and it just made me feel so much better, because I was able to clear my mind and, and watch stuff that entertained me. And I think that's where, when we think of what the WWE family is, is that don't overthink things. Watch wrestling because it's something you want. And I know I'm ranting now, and some of you, Kyle, you're probably sitting there going, shut up, you know, <laughs> we get it. You like wrestling, you love wrestling, to say, you know, you love the reunions, whatever. But I don't know, I just really encourage people to think of wrestling as something so much more than what, oh, what kind of views did they get? Oh, AEW's going to crush them, and oh, who's better than who? There's so much wrestling, watch it all, or try as best as you can. But just enjoy what you enjoy, and don't enjoy what you don't enjoy. But just embrace things and hope for what things could be. So that was my take on the reunion, that was my take on the clothes. I loved it. It was a great nostalgia kick for me because everyone that was in that ring, bashing beers, you know, having hugs, you know, I remember fondly great legendary moments from the 90s and early 2000s from that. I was like, yeah, that's why they're there. You know, like that's why there's in Stone Cold telling stories about, you know, Mark Henry and Ric Flair and Joe Briscoe and all that. And it was really, really cool. And uh, and I'll tell you, Stone Cold, if, you ha if you're a big Stone Cold fan and you want to listen to more of them and you're not listening to his podcast his podcast back um the steve austin show and it's all it's also a great listen um so definitely definitely check him out and subscribe um but no let me just see here so before we get into the quick vp of talent relations i just want to kind of see if there's anything noteworthy on smackdown so of course you know a couple big things we talked about the dolphin hbk thing on miss tv um, obviously Nakamura being the new Intercontinental Champion, hopefully we see something more with him um, ooh Kofi challenge, makes a challenge and he challenges Randy Orton uh, as his SummerSlam match I love that because I love the history um, for those of you who don't know a long time ago, you know, like within the last decade, uh, when Kofi was coming up, he was facing like the last time he, before recently the last time he had a world championship opportunity was when Randy Orton was the world champion uh, obviously Kofi did not win, he was not successful but you know, there's history there and I feel that you know, there's something to tie back to, so what I would love to see here is Kofi being able to answer 
why did you choose Randy? Well, he put me through hell seven years ago. He didn't believe in me. I have something to prove to Randy Orton now. I'm going to show him why I'm the champion. You know, and then while Randy can kind of stand on the side going, I beat you before for the belt, I'll beat you again. Like, there's a really easy story to tell here that can be so cool. So I'm really excited for that. Um, obviously, we have some stuff coming about, you know, teasing Daniel Bryan's career announcement. Um, I have heard a couple of things online, but I'm not going to say what it is just in case it is true. Um, but I think let's just find wait and find out what uh, Daniel Bryan's career announcement is. Um, obviously, uh, the fiend Bray Wyatt accepts Finn Balor's challenge. Finn Balor's challenge. Um, we had an Ember Moon versus Charlotte Flair. Oh, and also Shane McMahon accepting Kevin Owens a challenge. So number one, I love this storyline with Kevin Owens and Shane because just like Kyle was saying how Ziggler was saying everything we think about with HBK, Kevin Owens is saying to Shane everything we think about. Why are you here? He's naming great talent that is being pushed aside because Shane McMahon needs to be on several segments a night. Um, and it's true. And I feel that and what I would love to see, and, and Kyle mentioned it, I agree with it. And I think at SummerSlam, you just need to see Kevin Owens obliterate Shane McMahon. Just beat the crap out of him. And not one of those beat the crap out of him for 20 minutes and then all of a sudden Shane finds a way to win. He just needs to end him. Like um, Extreme Rules, I think it was, years ago, 2013, I want to say, 2012, I can't remember when, but uh, when Brock Lesnar beat John Cena. It was 15, 20 minutes of Brock Lesnar just wiping the floor with John Cena where you thought, oh, Cena's probably going to get the re you know the bounce back. and the Oh, no, he did not. I hope the same thing. Get him off. Take him off the show. Shane is great. And I love him. I love him as a casual entertainer. But it's been too much now. And especially, too, it's great that they're talking about it. Because that's what we're talking about. Shane, we love you. You've been a machine over your whole career, 20 years plus. You've been able to you know, come into the ring and do things that most people can't, which is very impressive. But now it's kind of, you're a McMahon, let's push aside. Like, we do have other people that can be using these segments, and I love how Kevin is using this as the platform. Um, but no, okay, yes, that was a very, very quick SmackDown in a nutshell. I know we talked a little bit about it earlier. All right, guys, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick little break. I'm going to get some more water. I might actually grab a quick little bar, a little snack. And then when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show with playing VP of Talent Relations. If Triple H was told by Vince McMahon he needs to eliminate 10 individuals, who would it be and why? I'm going to go over Kyle's picks. I'm going to reveal my picks and a little bit of why, and then we're going to close off the show. Thank you so much, guys. Please hold for just a few seconds, and I'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everyone. All right, we're going to close out the show today by playing a little, a little game called VP of Talent Relations. So what we thought it would be really cool is, so this is the actual B side to the A and B side of You're Fired. So let's just pretend that Vince McMahon walked up, walked up to Triple H and said, hey, that's my, that's my Vince McMahon. <laughs> hey, 
There's too many people here. We need to get rid of 10 of them. A tag team counts as one. Get rid of them. You have an hour to do so. Who would you pick and why? So I thought it would be fun. Before I heard Kyle's picks, I made my own picks. Um, And what would actually be pretty cool too, guys, is we'd love to hear your picks. Now, I know it's weird. um, And I know Kyle's take was going to be a little bit different than mine. So number one, we'd love to hear what you guys think of our picks. But I'm going to take a different approach. Kyle kind of took a little bit of the approach on here's who I would release because I'm sick of them. So mine is a little bit of that, but also there's some context where I feel these individuals would, I would let go because I feel WWE could potentially benefit from um, them going on the indies, whether it's AEW or other independents, building, you know, building a new persona, building a new whole line of work and character, you know, like Jim Ross says, you know, learn a new hold put on a new coat of paint, um, and could be a big star for WWE one day, a la a return like, say, a Drew McIntyre, you know, how he was, you know, the chosen one, then 3MB, then released, went on the indies, became Drew McIntyre, the beast and phenom that he is, you know, dominated the world of professional wrestling and then came back to NXT and now he's one of the most feared men on the main roster. So it works for sure. And even Jinder Mahal, he kind of had his little moment in the sun where, funny enough, 3MB then released, you know, tightened up his body of work, came back. Hey, call it what you want. Jinder Mahal is going to be on the record books of being, you know, SmackDown WWE champion. So, but all right, let's get in a, you know, the roster is very big. Um, Kyle had his 10 to say, I believe I captured his 10, uh, but in no particular order, I'm going to go over a little bit of, uh, Kyle's top 10. So Kyle would release fire, actually. Number one, Alicia Fox. Apparently Kyle's had enough of the Fox. Fox has been with the business for over a decade, I believe. Um, I guess, yeah, she hasn't really done much lately, so I don't necessarily disagree. Um, Natalia was the number two. See, that one's interesting. Um, and I can see where he's going. It's funny where Kyle would not just fire Natalia, but also rehire her. Um, as his take was Natalia would be really good to go to NXT and help the female stars. Uh, that's actually not a bad idea. Number three, Heath Slater would get the axe. Um, that one, see, once again, like I was saying earlier, I do believe, I very much believe, actually, that um, mid-carters, these people like Zach, uh, Kurt, you know, Heath, there, there's room for them. You need that filler. You know, it can't all be A-ranked superstars all across the board. So I'm a fan of Heath. The one-man ba- one band stays in my book, but Heath Slater would get the axe. No Way Jose would be number four. Ooh, you know, I don't disagree with anything Kyle said on that one. That's a really rundown gimmick. It's an Adam Rose ripoff. Um, it's exactly an Adam Rose ripoff. It's not even remotely like one. It is one. You know, he has his little band of crew dressed up in bunny outfits and burgers and different cucaracha. More so they're like dressed up in almost like a Mardi Gras style most of the time. But Adam Rose had the rosebuds. They had the crazy kooky guys dancing with them. 
it didn't work for Adam. Actually, sorry, I think it worked for Adam Rose. I just thought it was worked not in a great consistent way, but no way, Jose, especially no way. Get rid of that green hair, Jose. Just, yeah, that was an NXT call-up way, way too soon. Kyle's fifth, uh, first tag team, Kyle would say goodbye to the Ascension. Um, you know, the Ascension, of course, we know is Connor and Victor. Uh, they were huge in NXT. They were former NXT tag team champions. They came up to the main roster, and it's been a massive flop from there. Best thing that the Ascension did was um, they played a fun little part with the Fashion Police in their SmackDown segments. That was pretty cool and pretty funny. Um, but no, I think what's really hard is in a world where a lot of the gimmick is who they are and normal look, having a mixture of, you know, Legion of Doom and Demolition put together in a demonic way. I don't know if that works these days. Uh, so I don't disagree with that. Number six, um, I probably very much disagree with this, but he would ax Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, the major brothers. You know, 10 years ago, they were the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Um, see, obviously, I think, you know, I, I, I can see where Kyle's coming from, but I think Zack Ryder has nostalgia. You know, the woo-woo-woo way back in the day, John Cena, Kane, how Zack Ryder at one point was being chanted for, you know, we want Ryder during a rock segment when he was a babyface returning back for a little show. Um, and I'm a huge Kurt Hawkins fan. I think he's a great body of work. I believe he still does stuff with uh, uh, Make a Pro. Um, yeah, Make a Pro Wrestler. Uh, make a Pro? Build a Pro. Be a Pro? I can't remember. I think it's still with Pat Buck where he has his own wrestling school. Um, but no, I don't know. I, I love these guys. I think they're hilarious. I think they're funny. I love their YouTube show. I know it needs to be more than that. So I, I, I kind of agree with Kyle where they're not doing much. But at the same time, I just feel there are room for them. Next up, he would ax. The seventh ax would be Apollo Cruz. That's a tough one too. I think Apollo Cruz has shown the ability to have great matches, but I think Apollo Crews was also an early NXT call-up. Um, and he was put in a position where, I don't know, there just wasn't really much space for him. Now he comes out every now and then and puts on a great show against a great talent, but that's kind of all he'll be. So, you know, maybe Apollo would benefit from going onto the independent scene, making some good money there, and just kind of rebuilding himself. Next up, number eight on Kyle's list, Lars Sullivan. Yeah, don't disagree with that either. I think I, Lars, I look at someone that needs complete reset. Lars, you know, came to NXT, was called up to the main roster. He didn't because of some personal reasons. Um, but I just feel there was a little bit of a, a hiccup in you know, hey, he's coming to the main roster. Mm, no, he's not. But yes, he is. He is. And now he's just demolishing everyone in a weird, angry way. It was almost like too, too little, too late. Apparently, when Lars was going to debut at the beginning of the year, the talk of it was to have a WrestleMania um, feud and segment with John Cena. But I don't know. Um, I guess it's really kind of hard, so I don't disagree with Kyle on that one. Number nine on his axe list, Mojo Raleigh, the man that looks in the mirror 
and the man that also draws a mirror on his face and comes out and talks about how he looks in the mirror. I don't know where this one's going. I've been keep telling myself, Mojo Man, like, he's a good talent, he's a good guy, he does great things for, you know, with volunteering and the communities, and, but I don't know, like, I just don't know where any of this is going, I don't even know if Mojo knows where it's going, but, and the last but not least, um, the B team would be the 10th team axed by Kyle, um, I believe Kyle's exact words were the B team, more like the see you later team. Kyle, come on. Okay. I'll, I'll admit, I kind of laughed a little bit when I heard it, gave it a little bit of chuckle, but no, I don't know. That's, that's an interesting one. Um, when I, when, you know, I heard it, um, I also contemplated them as well. And we'll kind of see in a little bit if I did, but I think uh, it's hard, you know, Kurt Axel, I believe, is one individual who can go in the independent scene and build something new to come back later and be a big star. Um, when Curtis Axel joined forces with Paul Heyman and had his little intercontinental title run, uh, that was really, really well done. I don't know where things fell off on, Kurt, on Kurt, uh, Curtis Axel, but um, and Bo Dallas was a tough one. You know, he was big, big in NXT, a former NXT champion. But when he came to the main roster, the Bolive thing just didn't work. It just didn't work. So I liked the Miztourage. I liked what they did with the Miz. I thought it was really, really good and great. And, and of course, the B team had its moment. You know, it's like, ah, we're the B players, but we're good. You know, we just love being here. And then they made a run for the tag team championships uh, on Raw. So, hey. But those are the 10 individuals that Kyle would ax. Alicia Fox, Natty, Heath Slater, No Way, Jose, Ascension, Zach, um, and Kurt, Apollo Cruz, Lars Sullivan, Mojo, Raleigh, and of course, the B team. Now, funny enough, and as I said before, before I heard his picks, I wrote my picks down. Um, so I will go in order of who I would ax and a little bit on why my papers just dropped. Sorry. One second. There we go. Um, so number one on my list. So I am playing triple H. I am the game. Vince McMahon came into my office and said, listen, you got to ax 10 people. We got to make budget cuts. There's too many damn people here. We're spending too much damn money on talent. We got to get rid of 10 of them. Go. You have five minutes. So I quickly looked through online. I thought, who's current superstars? Who's in the back? Who's in the front? Number one on my list, Mojo Raleigh. Mojo, I'm sorry, buddy. You got to go. Um, it's, that was a hard one. You know, the hype bros, I believe it was, you know, with Zach and Mojo. And they had something really good that could have been built into a rivalry between them. There were some missed opportunities since then, Mojo's been trying to do his own thing. You know, won the Andre the Giant, you know, Memorial Battle Royal a couple of years ago. That kind of did nothing for him. He was always always too much of a hype guy where his energy was almost too positive. And I don't know. It was just, it never clicked with anyone. It never clicked with me. Even now, looking at the man in the mirror, the blue drawing on his face, circle around his eye. I don't know where it's going. Um, if it goes to something so much better and big, hey, good on you. But Mojo, you got to go to the independence, dude. 
I think you got to go learn, learn a new persona. You got to change everything about you. You're big, you're strong, you're good. You're good in the ring. Uh, but I just think you need to kind of learn some more versatility and a different, a completely different approach to, and I know, if, if Mojo is being who he is, I know that's hard for people to do, but I think he's talented enough to turn into something so much more. So Mojo, I'm sorry, you gotta go. I need that money back in the bank. See ya. Next person on the list, who would go? This person, I thought, I put him on the list, I took him off the list, I put him on the list, I took him off the list, but then I put him back on the list because of one reason, and I feel he can build something, and he could be more popular outside of WWE, and that individual is one of the leaders, what was one of the leaders of sanity, Eric Young. I love Eric Young. I watched Eric Young for many, many years in uh, TNA and Impact Wrestling. Um, I think Eric Young is one of the most underutilized talents in WWE right now. I feel he should have had a huge, long singles run. Uh, even with Sanity, Sanity was huge and great. Sanity never, I don't even want to say it never connected. WWE never even gave them the opportunity or chance. So it's not Killian Dane. It's not, you know, it's not Eric Young. It's not any of these individuals' fault. It's, I think it's WWE's fault that it didn't work because they didn't give it the opportunity to work. So reason why I'm giving them the axe, and I know it's unfair, it's not his fault. Why are you firing him? I think Eric Young deserves better. I believe he can go on the independence, whether it be any company, even if it's back in Impact. Like, I'm sure he can join Impact right now and contend for the title. He is a former, you know, TNA Impact, you know, TNA world champion. Um, but I don't know. I just think he deserves so much better. I think he can do better. Um, if not, I think you just need to toss him back down to NXT, let him stay there for a little bit, give him the benefit to build some more. I don't know, especially too, he shaved his beard, looks really weird, <laughs> but, um, I don't know, but no, sorry, Mojo, go grab Eric Young, Young, you gotta go, buddy, bring Mojo with you, you're fired. Next up, this one was a hard one. Uh, and I kind of commented on Kyle, so I'm going to kind of continue. So, uh, Mojo and Eric, while you're at it, can you go ahead and grab Curtis Axel and take him with you? That's right. I'm splitting the B team up. I'm keeping Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas, you're there um, only because you just didn't make my 10. Um, but the reason why I didn't put him as a team is because specifically, as I said earlier, Curtis Axel is a talent. He's the son of Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hedig. He is a great, great talent. He's great on the mic. He deserves so much more. I think from growing up and developing majorly in WWE, uh, you know, performance center and in WWE itself. I think he needs to go learn the grind of the independence. I think Curtis Axel can make a hell of a run for himself, especially too. He's not just a son of a Hall of Famer and one of the best superstars of all time with, you know, uh, Mr. Perfect, but he's really, really good. So I'm doing this. I know it's almost like a dad pushing their kid out and you know, to go live into the big old world, Curtis Axel, I'm sorry, it don't look at it as goodbye, look at it as see you later, but I think you can do more, but I think you got to go earn it, and see ya, buddy. Next up, number four, while Mojo, while Eric, and while No Way, um, while uh, Curtis Axel, whoops, um, is packing their bags, No Way Jose has got to go away, um, I 
don't like the gimmick at all. I think it's I think it's it's a wasted talent. When he first came in, um, to NXT and they were doing the hype videos, you know, leading up to his even debut in NXT, where I was like, oh, hey, Jose, no way, Jose. You know, you kind of it was kind of fun the first couple of times where you're like, the guy's dancing, he's got good moves, look at him go. But he's. He's just doing the same thing. And now he has other people dancing with him. And and for me, I'm sorry, in a way. You're a big guy. You're a strong guy. You're not too shabby in the ring either. That green hair was the nail in the coffin for me. I don't know what you're bound for, but I think he needs to change something. If anything, No Way Jose is the type of individual who he needs to change that name. Like, No Way Jose. Imagine that. And defeated Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania and a new world champion. No way, Jose. It doesn't, doesn't ring a rhyme. You know what I mean? Like, you can have unique names and different names. That's fine. But I don't know. No way, Jose. Doesn't work for me. Has never worked for me. I don't even know if it's ever worked for him. Um, gotta go, buddy. I think there's there's some more more time can be used for other individuals even though they give you very little time it's no more time for you number five on my list joining the other four this one was a tough one but once again i'm going with the theme with mojo with eric with curtis um ec3 (sighs) only because he you know, he was in NXT, he was a rookie, he did well, young little lad, good body, funny, he left, he got released, he he went away, he, he learned a new hold, he learned a new move, he got jacked of all hell, he, you know, turned into a pretty darn good little promo, he was huge in Impact Wrestling, multiple time world champion, he had everything laid out for him to make a WWE debut. I feel his time in NXT, way too short. That's the biggest thing. That's my biggest reason why is too short. He kind of came in, you know, had some really good feuds, you know, especially coming in with the, um, uh, what's it called? Oh my goodness. What do they call that new title? Uh... Um, but anyways, their something something championship, there. Oh, you you guys are yelling at me right now, Kyle. Help me out here. Um, something something championship. It's a new one. Um, Adam Cole was holding it. Um, uh, I can't. Oh, anyways, sorry guys. I'm gonna look it up right now. Give me a quick second. I got my I got my uh, current. We got NXT. We have. Uh, here we go. Um. Oh, look at that. And here we go. NXT. Perfect. Uh, oh, Cameron Grimes. Good, good, good. Um, Fabian. No, no, not you. Not you. Casey Catanzaro. Actually, Casey Catanzaro, if you haven't been watching her on the uh, WWE PC YouTube page, she's really, really funny to watch her watch Ricochet have matches. It's really funny. Velveteen Dream. Here we go. Ah. Uh, Mm, the North American Championship. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I made that a little bit more than it needed to be. The North American Championship. Um, you know, he was... <laughs> EC3 had his moment. Kind of a little bit of a debut in that ladder match. And I don't know. Just... I feel that EC3 can be utilized so much more. I just feel in a world of Seth, 
you know, Roman, Brock, <clears throat> uh, you know, the New Day, uh, like Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman now, Bray Wyatt, and, uh, you know, like the Cesaros of the world and, and just everyone else, Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston, you know, Drew McIntyre. I don't know if there's a place, not that he couldn't fit in, but there's just no place for him to fit in. Um, so I would love to see EC3 get the notoriety I feel he could deserve and go be a headliner somewhere else. EC3, sorry, buddy. See ya. Number six, my first tag team. I'm saying goodbye to them only because we, number one, we don't see them much, uh, much at all. Um, they've never really made so much sense. The Colognes, Primo and Epico, see you later, Bon Voyage. Their best gimmick was as a tag team. Their body of work is great, but they kind of came out handing out vacation brochures and I never got it with them. I don't know if I'll ever get it. And they're not being utilized. So number one, it's an easy release. If they're not being utilized, let them go. Stop paying them. Let them go somewhere and either independent, like individually as an individual star or as a tag team, go make a build somewhere else. They're very talented. They're still young. And I think they would be absolutely amazing and great. And Primo, Epico, Cologne, see you later. Another tag team as my number seven. It was Kyle's number five, I believe. Ascension, Victor, Connor, goodbye. Never worked. It's really funny how NXT and the main roster can be polar opposites, though. Where the Ascension, same gimmick in NXT, worked. Um... It was it was something a little new. I think the biggest thing for me, and it's years ago when the Ascension debuted on the main roster, number one, their entrance where they were kind of bent down and they slowly stood up to the camera. Um, but also they physically and, and like they actually said, like, we are like the Legion of Doom and, you know, like... <laughs> Like we like they couldn't hold our candle, but we're like them, and you know, it's like okay, um, sure. Uh, I never got it. Like they mean well; they're fairly good in ring workers, but I don't know. See, I'm kind of stifling on this one because I just think it just I don't know. Gimmick just didn't work. You know, like um, Connor's mouth is sewn shut, and like he looked almost like a, like a, like a puppet face. I don't know. Um, but see you, Ascension. Goodbye. Um, number eight, nine, and ten. Number eight, I agree with Kyle as well. Alicia Fox, time to go. Now, here's the thing. I also feel that Alicia Fox could do some really good in the Performance Center. Um, she Number one thing you can never take away from Alicia Fox is her in-ring ability. That girl, that girl can go and go almost better than anyone. Um, she hits hard. She goes hard. She's great. The hard thing is that her gimmick's always been the same. The crazy chick, you know, having those fits and crazy. And you know what? Hey, hats off to you. If that's how you are in real life and you're bringing real life to the stage, right on. You know, hey, cool. But at the same time, it's it's always been the same thing. Like even recently, like being with Jinder Mahal and like, I'm the captain, I'm the, you know, Shanti, Shanti, you know, just yelling it out loud like a crazy person. Jinder's kind of Shanti. She's like, Shanti, yeah, Shanti. Like it just, 
it almost ruins a lot of things when she does that. So, Alicia, you're, you're one of the longest tenure female stars um, in WWE today. Uh, but I feel that if you don't go and maybe contribute other, other ways or change the gimmick up a little bit and calm the hell down, you got to go. That's number eight. Number nine, Apollo Crews. That was my other one. That's my uh, second last one. Um, just wrong timing. I know I kind of talked a little bit about Apollo Crews when I was going through Kyle's. Um, I believe he was number seven on Kyle's list. But uh, it's, yeah, it just doesn't work. It sucks. Very athletic. Good-looking talent. Like, he's the package deal. Just we never learned that charismatic side to him. Like, who is he? Why should we care about it? You know, but that, that storytelling to its best is to not just go, hey, this guy's good. Hey, this guy's strong. He's athletic. I love watching him in the ring. But why am I invested in him? You know, tell that story. And I don't think we ever really got that with Apollo, which is really, really a really big shame. So I think Apollo can go do that. You know, new hold, new coat of paint, go in the independence. I know he's from the independence, so it'd be going back. But I think he can also, with the exposure from WWE, I think it's something that he could uh, take, uh, you know, take advantage of. All right. Lastly, um, also on Kyle's list, my number ten, his number eight, Lars Sullivan, Sullivan, Sullivan. You got to go. Um, you know, uh, and it's not saying obviously, you know, his. His battle with mental health has been some of the things that really prevented him from being able to go, you know, to debut when he was supposed to get that shot with John Cena, that potential match at Mania, something that could have skyrocketed him high. Um, so it's really unfortunate, you know, that that did happen. I just feel with Lars, once again, it's not a we don't want to deal with your mental health, go somewhere else. I think Lars can rebuild and reshape something. Go learn and be the monster. Like, if anything, like, this would be cool. What do you guys think of this? Lars, we're going to release you, but in a year from now, as long as everything pans out, we're going to pick you back up. I know that's like a broken promise, but hey, you know, go, you know, but if anything, have let Lars walk around the world at all of these independent tapings and just chirp WWE. And everyone that he faces, he crushes. But every time it's his promises, I will get back to WWE and I will tear that place down. And then along the way, you'll be like, ah, broken promises. Ah, he's butthurt from being let go to WWE. And then a year or whatever after he shows up on WWE TV. You know what I mean? And maybe like six months in, have like Roman or someone be like, you know, blah, 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 promo, promo, Lars Sullivan, you know, go crazy like Lars or have like a fun little jab. But then all of a sudden, six months after that, a year later from being released, Lars Sullivan dives right in and just, yeah, you know, like, what did you say? I heard what you said. I told you I would be back um, and can, you know, jump in and be the beast. I think that'd be really cool. That's who I would make the cuts for. Once again, let's go down at Mojo Raleigh, Eric Young, Curtis, Curtis Axel, No Way Jose, EC3, The Colognes with Primo and Epico, The Ascension with Connor and Victor, Alicia Fox, Apollo Cruz, and the Lars of Sullivan are all fired, effective immediately. Please go into the back, grab your bags. Thank you. Sorry, got a little 
it's really hot in here. I'm starting to lose my marbles a little bit. Um, but no, thank you guys. That's it for the episode today. Thank you for, you know, listening to me, you know, express and rant and passionately speak about what I think about WWE. It's storylines recently, the Raw reunion. We had some fun playing the VP. Do you guys like that? Would you want to see us do it again, but maybe with a different twist? Maybe the top 10 people we would hire, top 10 people we would bring up from NXT, or top five people we would bring up from NXT, but also every for every one person we bring up from NXT, we got to take someone down NXT. I don't know. If you guys like it, let us know. Um, you know, Kyle and I, hopefully next week, I'm on vacation, but uh, hopefully we can get back together and I can go to Kyle's place and we can record a little pod together. But uh, we hope you enjoyed this A-side, B-side. And um, once again, guys, just as a reminder, coming up, uh, hold on here, let me bring up the... Oh, my internet just went out. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to botch the date. I'm actually not even going to say it, but please check out, you know, uh, Fighting Back 9, uh, C4's next event. You know, some great talent from AEW is going to be there. You know, looks like it's going to be the the goodbye from the bad guy, uh, Joey Janela. Um, you know, number one, C4 Wrestling, support your independent wrestling. Um, especially support them. They are wild. They're awesome. They're amazing. Um, as well as, as we do know, of course, October 2nd, TNT on Wednesdays. Uh, AEW will be premiering their show, and also there's rumor, like I said earlier, that NXT will be going from a WWE Network show to maybe an FS1 show, potentially. Uh, and there's also has been rumor of 205 Live conjointing with uh, NXT to kind of close the 205 Live brand, which I think would be smart, because there is a lot of great people that can kind of go and you know, grow NXT a little bit more, and I don't know, but no, I think, you know, so much of wrestling, I think, has been great, um, also, please make sure that you are following some great, amazing podcasts, Not Sam Wrestling, um, you know, each and every week, he's bringing fantastic content, Conrad Thompson, the pod father, bringing you 83 weeks, bringing you what happened when, bringing you something to wrestle with, and of course, over the last several weeks, bringing you, um, you know, um, Grillin' JR, uh, the, the Ross Report is now not Jim Ross interviewing people, it's Jim telling stories, it's what we've always wanted, and I'll tell you, it's a hell of a podcast, make sure to check it out, um, but no, that's it for me guys, once again, thank you so much, my name is Mark, uh, we will see you next week, and please let Kyle and I know what you think of the show, uh, check us out on social, me- social media at 613 Wrestling Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I think we're on, and of course, you can find this podcast on all of your popular pop, uh, podcasts and Anchor, Spotify, still can't believe we're on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, and uh, anywhere you essentially find your podcast. But thank you very much, guys. Once again, my name is Mark, and I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and I will see you next week. Take care.